Hello and welcome to Purple Space Cascade of Thoughts. I'm Ira, head blogger and head of business development at Purple Space. And for today's extremely special episode, I shall be your host, along with Aryan, who is the founder of Purple Space. Now, as a part of the youth and Gen Z, we often come across everything being made a gender battle, when the very issue is a product of such actions. Feminism has been absolutely revolutionary. Sacrifices have been made in order to provide the female population with their very basic rights, which should never have been pro- a problem in the first place. But is that all? Have we achieved a balance between the rights of the genders? What is pseudo-feminism? Is it intoxicating the relevance and meaning of feminism? We shall find out. Because today we have we have been joined with Japneet and Samriti, who are the co-founders and the directors of the international non-profit organization the Girl Code, that they founded at the age of only 16. Both of them are currently pursuing computer science in their separate colleges, and they both hope to inspire and empower a new generation of women in tech. So, Jabni and Samriti, how have you guys been doing currently in lockdown? Uh, hi. Uh, hi. I've been doing kind of okay. Not super well, but I bake a lot. I read a lot. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Uh, I just came back from Singapore last year, so I wasn't with my family in 11th and 12th. So this is like great family time till a point. But yeah, using this to make like learn new things, learn new skills in computing as well in cooking and everything. I mean, that's actually pretty good because you guys have actually been more productive than I have. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to your organization. Could you guys explain a little about your organization? Uh, okay, so the Girl Code is a non-profit organization that we founded uh, in 2017. We were both in 11th grade. It was just like a knee-jerk reaction to sort of, you know, going into uh, our CS uh, class in 11th grade and just seeing like five girls there in a mm-hmm. sea of 50 boys. And we were just like, why? And, you know, so it sort of just like stemmed from that. And then uh, we so, realized um, that it was a bigger yeah. problem. Right. So I had been like uh, the only uh, female in my computing club for like three years. So it had bothered me a lot. And the next month I was going to uh, go to Singapore for my 11th and 12th grade studies. Right. So I didn't want to leave my computing club with no girls. So we had tried recruitment campaigns before and they didn't work out that much because they weren't uh, geared towards a gender. And upon like uh, talking to people or talking to girls who applied, but didn't make it like the left in the middle uh, I discovered that one thing that they did not uh, find or they were scared of was that there were seniors and all of them were guys and they were hard to approach. Whereas if you see the guys who came into the recruitment campaigns, they were constantly asking questions and eventually all of them joined in. So that gave me the idea of starting a workshop just for girls. So it was just meant to be a one-time thing for my school to get more girls in my computing club. But then I found some Riddhi, we talked about it more and we decided that it was like a bigger problem and it plagued like a lot of schools in Delhi. So our school was not the only one. And that's how it started. It started with one workshop and now we are spread in three countries. So India, Singapore and the US. And we have empowered over a thousand girls with the knowledge of Mm -hmm. programming. And we have like uh, lockdown specific. So we had like online workshops since we couldn't go to schools and host them as we usually do. And we had over 200 participants in our first one and then 200 participants again in our second one. 
so that's been really great as well that that's pretty inspiring so i mean in general when you look at it streams like engineering or computer science or web development they don't usually see many women or girls going into mm-hmm. it so what do you guys think is like one of the main reasons why parents or girls don't go into such streams uh as japnit mentioned you know you see it like small scale in like a computer club uh, so just like one girl there and then that whole idea of like a boys you know a uh, room that's what hap- that's what there in you know the silicon valley and like everywhere else the tech industry is like dominated by men and it's really hard to uh, sort of break into that and like break through the glass ceiling so it's that's pretty much uh, the problem you know it's a vicious cycle okay. there aren't mm-hmm. enough women so women are afraid of going into that field mm-hmm. uh okay. talking from my own experience like whenever we had meetings and they asked me to put like my opinions forward i didn't want to there were like 15 guys in front of me talking about all their guy stuff and bonding and i was like just in a corner wondering when will i get a chance to speak so it was even hard uh, i was eventually became the programming executive but it was really hard to get there and there weren't many female uh mentors that i had so i i couldn't really bond with them because i think the way i'll bond with a senior a female senior would be a different than how i would bond with a male senior and it was like it was really hard to break through their clique so all of them used to talk and all of them used to decide on everything and then i didn't i didn't have a voice then but when we saw that when we had like even in the girl code when we have workshops just for girls it was like a safe environment where they could be wrong they could speak and like no one would really judge them that's and right. that's what we yeah that's what we are trying to do to break the confidence barrier like mm-hmm. even in just uh, again speaking from personal experience i've had so many times when like i was like working on a group coding assignment or like uh and uh, uh an engineering project or something and then i would give my idea and like the guys next to me it would be a predominantly guy group because that's just the sad reality of you know stem the guys next to me would just be it would just like dismiss my idea completely and like not take it into account and then if someone else pitched something similar they would like agree to it instantly so just stuff like that it you know you don't understand it till you face it and then when you face it you're just like really shocked by how this is still a thing in 2020 now you know mhm that makes sense wait so i just wanted to know how gold code gained momentum i mean how did you get people to actually come in attend these workshops attend the things that you do how did it gain momentum that's like a story like a big yeah, story a so story. like the first workshop we went to um we were trying to get participants so we an- mm-hmm. announced in the assembly did all the shenanigans mm-hmm. you do to promote in a school Posted and flyers, we didn't get any like, part yeah classes, we did not get any participants yeah and i uh, like and then some riddhi and i had to go between breaks during recess and um, more any breaks that we could get go to classes be like hey guys we're going to be teaching you how to do programming mm-hmm. and uh, you will learn how to make stuff like websites and games aren't you excited and then you could see so many hands up and all of them were guys Yeah. and then the words came mm-hmm. out it's only for girls and then there's this discussion why is this discrimination against guys why are you only giving it to girls and stuff 
And just by the initial reaction, you could see that most of the hands which were raised were guys and there were no girls. Mm-hmm. So we had to individually go to girls and be like, you should try this out. You should join mm-hmm. it. So I think first we started reaching out to the juniors we knew who might be interested. And then the word uh, went out. And I think we finally realized at the end of like two, three days of this crazy uh, advertising that we had 30 to 40 participants. And we yeah. were so happy that I like, think 30 to 40 is there were times when Japanese and I went to like the same class twice and then we went to like com- their computer classes as well after talking to their teacher and then we like talk about it like 50 times and then it took like a lot of effort just to get those first 5-10 you know registrations but then after mm-hmm. that uh, they started coming in so like once a few people sort of volunteered for it. But yeah, it was like a whole thing. But now it's much easier, uh, you know, to get everyone to participate. And then whenever we have school workshops, we usually like contact uh, the school administrators and they're the ones who sort of uh, do the, you know, there's a workshop, you should join in and like get the girls to sign up. So that aspect of it definitely. That has simplified the process a lot. (laughs) Much, much more. So, uh, yeah, like recently the STEM business or even in, gen- in general business has seen more, a growth of women in them and the CEO of Pepsi is also women. So mm-hmm. um, do you guys think that seeing the current advancements in the future, we'll actually start seeing women coming into STEM without being forced? Or, uh, that's the whole, uh, and I don't think they're forced uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the opposite in fact that even if they want to, they're really hesitant about it and they don't end up going into STEM. So hopefully, you know, that's the whole uh, point of like the Girl Code and like our efforts is that we can one day have uh, equality in STEM and like girls and everyone just like not being afraid of pursuing their passion and going into this field that's amazing and has so many applications. I mean, that's the hope for the future, but mm-hmm. in the new f- near future, I don't see that happening because I feel like there are a lot of changes required at every level. Uh, I myself took science and I was a computer science student. Like I have been coding since a very long time. Uh, and I used to go for these engineering coaching classes, right? Uh, Fiji, if you're aware of those. So even talking about engineering, which is related to technology and everything, you can see that there's a big gender gap. And if you just look at the coaching classes and the environment that is, I mean, it's not fit for a girl to go there. It's scary. There are, the infrastructure is not good. They're made in these stingy areas, which are not safe. I mean, I can expect, my parents had to like make me stop going there after a few months because it was so scary. The whole experience of me going and my mom checking in with me every 30 minutes, that is everything okay? Is everything okay? So imagine a girl just to study for engineering or prepare for an exam has to go through this whole traumatizing experience where mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even wear my school uniform because my school uniform had shorts in it and obviously I can't wear shorts for such an area right so that's it it's like just so traumatizing change after school change before school and all that stuff like it's really hard even to just study for that exam which is mm-hmm. which I feel is completely unfair yeah so that's from mm-hmm. that small experience from school classes, like Samridhi mentioned, five people in a computing class. It's just hard from the very beginning. So if you if we want to see women coming up on their own, joining the field on their own, there needs to be change, like from the very first level, like yeah, the day the they're born, it needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely true. I mean, again, it is about 
i mean it is these are the situations that do take place on a daily basis everywhere and these are the situations that motivate us to come up with such ideas okay so we've talked about golcode now but as founders or co-founders of golcode what does the word feminism mean to you uh definitely you want to go first yeah sure to put in one word it's equality that's it that's what it means to me in my head it's equality and people have questioned me before that how do you believe in equality by running an organization just for women well you need to level the playing field first before we even get to equality there needs to be equality and you need to help the classes or uh the genders or even any other criteria the, the races or any other criteria that you want to use and get them up to the level where they can compete with other people first mm-hmm. and that's it that's what feminism means to me equality what about uh, you yeah pretty much the same i mean feminism in you know at its core uh by definition is equality of like all genders uh you know be it uh male female or like something non binary and um you know i've often like uh, sort of come across people and whenever i tell my friends oh i'm a feminist they're like oh that's really cool and i'm like aren't you and they're like no i believe in equality and then you know i go that's literally the same thing and it just has like this uh, sort of image of uh, you know just by virtue of containing the word feminism people are like you're trying to like uh, raise yourself above men but i think it's really imp- important to recognize the fact that this is uh that women have been like oppressed for centuries it's barely been a hundred years that women got the you know the first uh right to vote um and then in 2015 uh that's just 5 years ago women got the right to vote in saudi arabia so it's such it's it's i mean it may seem alien to you or me but it's very real that like women are not just granted rights right? to drive yeah, in saudi yeah 5 years back Uh, and even even now it's not like you have uh, you know women have the luxury to be educated or like right to you know food or jobs or opportunities and even driving everywhere in the world so yeah it's about uplifting women as japnet said because you know they've been oppressed for centuries ever since like the dawn of civilization to reach equality all right yeah so uh- girls and women have been oppressed for centuries and when you're born into an indian family the first the first thing that a girl hears in an indian family is that she has to become she has to know everything how to do in the house she has to handle the house and she has to become the perfect wife so for girls that are suffering this right now what advice would you give to them like how can they break that wall that their parents and the society has built around them and actually reach their full potential in fields that they're actually interested in um i i must say i'm very privileged in that matter then because when my dad had to choose between my brother and me uh who he will introduce to coding he chose me so for me i feel like i've never been oppressed in that way but obviously yes there have been implications me try would be i'll be trying to go out somewhere and then suddenly at the door i'll be told to change my clothes and stuff like yeah i get it i need to know cooking and everything now it's under the disguise of wait you'll be going to college next year so you should like no cooking but i know what it's for actually so i get all that i i completely get that and i think you just 
I the only advice that I would give to people because I don't think there is any uh, solution for change in mindset is education. So you just need to talk to your parents and sometimes you need to oblige them to get to do what you want. So it's like we can't uh, think or act like the situation isn't present. It is present and it's really hard to change mindsets. But maybe you could come up with something like, okay, mom, I'll cook for 30 minutes. I'll help you because I'll take cooking as a skill and not something that I need to do as a housewife. But I also go work on my robot for 30 minutes and then you tell me how cool it is. So it needs to be a balance of both. Uh, being a feminist, I, I I don't approve of things like, okay, I'm a feminist. I would want to go into the kitchen or, okay, I'm a feminist. I won't do anything that females are uh, supposed to do. I mean, these are just uh, things that everybody should know to be independent. So definitely learn those things because they'll help you in the future if you want to stay alone. And mm -hmm. you sh will be if you want to work somewhere and everything. But have a balance. And the only way to do that is to have a conversation with your parents. I honestly think that was a great answer, not going to lie. Okay, as uh, our podcast, as mentioned earlier, is about pseudo-feminism. So now that we've discussed about feminism, we'd like to move on to this term. What do you guys think about pseudo-feminism? What relevance does it hold and what does it mean? Uh, to me, pseudo-feminism is just, uh, as the word suggests, pseudo means fake, so fake feminism. Um, you know, anyone who at its core, like I said, like Japnit said, feminism is about equality, right? Equality mm -hmm. of all genders, of all uh, races. And uh, in particular, the movement is about giving women basic rights to, you know, sort of level that playing field and get them up, uh, you know, to the privilege that men have inherently just by being men and being born into this patriarchal society that we live in. So, um, you know, pseudo-feminism, it could just be, you know, people who, um, it's, I hate to use the term, but like misandrious, as rare as that is, or like someone who, you know, uh, forces, uh, you, just, just being a bad uh, feminist in general. So if someone chooses to be a homemaker and then you claim to be a feminist and like shame them for doing that, then that's not actually being a feminist because feminism is all about choice and you know women just having the choice to do what they want to do if that's being a homemaker then that's completely you know fine that's you know you should respect that and it's not easy being a homemaker and raising kids it's not easy working jobs so just like respecting choice and uh, opportunity and anything that doesn't do that I think is pseudo-feminism in in whatever way so what about Japnath? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I like Sam said, it's fake feminism. It's not true to its values of equality. And if there's no equality in your definition of feminism, then that's it. It's not feminism anymore. So yeah, pseudo-feminism is just that for me. Like feminism is equality for me. Pseudo-feminism is not equality for me, simply put. Okay, so as, as you guys talked about pseudo-feminism and what it like, how you guys are, how you guys completely disagree with what sort of feminism is. But do you guys also feel that when feminism movement started, the message that feminists and women wanted to tell men at that time has changed right now? Or do you think that the message is still the same? Um, so I think, you know, if you're talking about the starting of the feminist movement, then I would interpret that as the suffragette movement, which was basically just for the right to vote. So I think in that sense, uh, the original uh, sort of wave of feminism was just about getting those basic equal rights. And 
while those may not be a reality for uh, sadly for quite a few uh, women all over the world i think in most major democracies um, women do have the right to vote and they do at least have in the constitution uh, you know basic rights granted to them so in that sense the conversation really does change it's not about uh, you know like basic rights anymore it's about uh, something beyond that uh, uh, still basic i think in that women should not be discriminated against in the workplace that girls should have the right to education and everything but i wouldn't say that they're as fundamental as just like saying the right to vote or the right to call yourself equal to like a man which was what the original movement was about mm-hmm. um for me i feel like uh, the values still remain the same only the context has changed uh i mean some situations are same uh completely similar to now like uh, just talking about india people still expect women to raise their kids reproduce and all that stuff like they did before and the reason we didn't get voting rights before was because um we weren't expected to be part of the political uh, aspect of life like we were just supposed to be limited to domestic and in that terms the context is really the same too i mean in just i'm just going to talk about things that i'm familiar with so mm-hmm. i studied in singapore and i was also i uh, studied till grade 10 in india so those two years in singapore i wasn't recognized by my gender that was like the greatest i have felt ever because nobody looked at what i was wearing which is like a true reality for like uh, women or even girls in uh, india and nobody cared what i was doing nobody like gender was not a criteria anymore whereas here it's always been a thing that has uh, stopped me in a lot of places i wanted to go for coding workshops and mom is like can't go cuz somebody needs to drop you you can't use the public transport mm-hmm. in singapore they're like this is the time please come here at 11 am at 11 pm nobody cares so gender is not a criteria there anymore which was very it was quite a relief so in terms of that i feel it depends country to country in terms of what the context is but uh, essentially the value and the message is the same because yeah. we haven't yet achieved it completely uh adding to what japnit said about like not being able to take uh car, like autos or anything on your own it, it was so bad that i was going for girl code workshops to host them to dps rohini i believe and my parents would not let me take the metro on my own so i had to either be driven or go with like a bunch of friends which obviously had to have guys in it or my mom would drop mm-hmm. me so and then if i'm in the states uh you know they don't care if i'm ubering from the airport like they don't care that i take a flight alone you know that's like 24 hours 7000 miles that's fine but you can't go an hour away uh take the metro so just like restrictions like that it's it's you don't realize how crippling they are until you like sort of taste the other side of it just like being able to travel or move on your own is just not a reality for girls in india and a lot of like south asian countries and mm-hmm. middle eastern countries and it's really sad but and it's really um weird to see how your parents mentality also changes so you realize that okay they're not backwards they're just concerned about your safety mm-hmm. in uh, singapore my mom is like okay go to the hostel at 11 pm here she's like be back on by 5 pm before the sun is down cuz something bad is going to happen when the sun is down mm-hmm. so you realize that they're not actually backwards and they're not stopping and limiting you they're just concerned about you which mm-hmm. i understand india is not a safe place mm-hmm. particularly delhi for girls uh, for women definitely all right okay so 
now we're going to be moving on to masculine toxicity so masculine toxicity is basically the certain expectations that people specifically pseudo feminists hold for men um how they're supposed to act how they're supposed to be how all men are going to be sexual abusers how all men are supposed to are not supposed to walk inside the house how how all men are supposed to be going out doing jobs so these are basically certain expectations we hold against men so what do you think has max masculine toxicity stemmed out from pseudo feminism or the actual feminist movement uh i think masculine toxicity sort of came from like you know it it didn't stem out from feminism or pseudo feminism i think feminism was a reaction to masculine toxicity or you know that whole rigid uh structured you know like that definition of being a man you know you have to have a job you have to be tough you have to be macho and all of that it's not just uh you know degrading to women or like uh it's not just bad for women it's bad for men too because just like describing in like rigid ways that this is a way you have to be it's just not a way to live and not everyone can conform to that or adhere to that so i think masculine toxicity didn't stem out of feminism feminism was a reaction to masculine mm-hmm. toxicity Uh, in my opinion and then uh, as you said about pseudo feminists uh, believing that like all men are rapists or like all men are abusers and everything again um by definition if they're pseudo feminists and they're not like actually you know believing in equality and if you actually have mm-hmm. a world view that uh, sort of criminalizes 50% of the population then there's something really wrong with uh, your mentality i think okay aryan so um recently we have seen the term toxic masculinity and pseudo feminism lead to wars between girls and boys so what what do you think that do you think that this battle between genders is acceptable or is this just the toxic nature of humans coming in for me i feel like uh, sometimes it's important to look at the situation and not turn it into a gender battle because eventually if you ask any guy and you ask them would you want your mother or sister to face these things what like uh, other girls face they would their answer would be no and then if you say you're a feminist they'll get offended because they're not so that's the thing i feel like feminism as a word has been misinterpreted because it is synonymous to man hating now and uh, thus all these other terms like pseudo feminism and uh, you know the, the terms that we hear every day and the thing is that this is not the time to fight with each other this is the time to stand together and fight for our rights so if feminism includes fighting for male rights as well it includes the right for a boy to cry whenever he wants or let his emotions out it includes the status of a father being up- uplifted it includes everything it's about equality and if you prefer to call yourself an egalitarian then it should be okay for you to call yourself a feminist as well because both of them mean the same just because women were oppressed and the word is a bit feminine then and it was a patriarchal society you shouldn't have a problem with it imagine 1000 years ago if it was a matriarchal society i wouldn't have a problem calling myself a meninist because then that would be the need of the day right now yeah. the need is to have equality of both genders and the one being oppressed right now is women to a more extent than men though there are some men rights also we need to focus on like whenever uh, it comes like um 
whenever it comes to like uh, in family courts or uh, criminals you imagine always imagine a man like for an engineer you imagine a man you always imagine a criminal as a man also so those are biases that we need to battle which are against men but we need to do it together we can't do it if we fight about these terms or That's we true. fight about whether to call yourself a feminist or not I think adding to what Rupnit said, when people have like a problem with feminism, you see it with like the Black Lives Matter movement. People saying mm-hmm. all lives matter as like a vehement response to Black Lives Matter. I think, you know, that's the same. Those are the people who have a problem with calling themselves feminists. You know, you're uplifting Black lives because they haven't mattered and they haven't been given importance. And it's the same case for women. You know that you're uplifting women because they have been oppressed, and it's just the reality of the situation we're in. And um, also talking about like uh, feminism in general i think it's not just you know about uh, binary genders but like trans com- the trans community or the lgbtq community as well just like the freedom to you know have equal opportunity to choose what you can and um, you know just like not be discriminated on the basis of what gender or what sex or what your identity is i think that's like the core belief and the core value here I think those are absolutely incredible answers. It does provide the message that we can't be making everything a boy versus a girl thing, a boy versus girl situation, but rather we should be united and stand against those who do such injustices or I mean, yeah, do such injustices. Uh, okay. I think just like making everything a boy versus girl mm-hmm. sort of just like draws attention away from the conversation it twists the narrative in a way that you know it sort of uh, everyone comes becomes defensive and comes to you know attacking each other but uh, whenever there are like problems uh, you know our society as a whole fosters this environment so you know patriarchy isn't just uh, something that like men have inflicted upon women it's not like uh, i haven't seen sexist like grandmothers or mothers or like sisters or friends it's a it's an ingrained institution wait i don't remember that yeah so as i was saying it's uh, it's an institutionalized uh, you know thing patriarchy and it's been ingrained in us since uh, we were kids so it's been ingrained by our fathers mothers grandparents uh, you know so you can't just play, pin the blame on like one gender or one person or so it you know it's it, all of us have to come together like introspect and realize that this is a problem that like all of us face uh be it men women or like anyone you know yes okay so, so that's why no gender mm-hmm. battle i think all right um yeah arjun yeah so uh, as you said that uh, it's our parents from the start our grandmothers they they have these certain mindset and certain stereotypes they have in them already installed about what a girl can do what a man can do. now we are the future generation generations after us we do not want them to have the same stereotypes so how would you suggest the current generation to try to break such stereotypes that only girls can be teachers only men can be soldiers how, how do you suggest the current generation start breaking these stereotypes i think it would start at childhood so I think my parents I won't say I'm a feminist because I'm a feminist like I chose to be one I feel like I was raised as one so it is counterintuitive but 
I think the inspiration in my life uh, who inspired me to be a feminist was my mom. And she's a homemaker, not by choice. She she uh, she has better qualifications than my dad. And still she was taught to work by her father, then by the whole family, then eventually children. And like, this is not a story of just my mom. It's essentially the story mm-hmm. of most Indian women, at least in the previous and the generations before. So if you see there's a drastic contrast between what my mom's aspirations were and what she compromised over and what I am today. So if you ask me to compromise over my career, I would not. But that's my choice. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. And I am already a part of the new generation who hopes for equality. So I think it needs to start from childhood. It needs to start when... um, when you have children or when you see your siblings who are younger than you, you don't tell them that, okay, the girl goes to the kitchen, the guys sit there interacting mm-hmm. with the guests. No, you make mm-hmm. the guy go to the kitchen, help her, help the mom. Uh, so for me, like always, I never let my brother not go into the kitchen. So usually I used to sit outside and used to be like, okay, you go to the kitchen. I'm, I'm not interested going there. But that's not because I just, I just don't like working in the kitchen that's it so yeah I mean you need to instill it from the starting if my brother wanted to cry I always let him cry if he wanted to talk about something sensitive I told him about I asked him to talk to me um regarding stuff like sensitive topics like reproductive health menstruation I made sure he knew about those things so that if one day a girl comes to him and says do you have a pad or do you can you ask someone else to have a pad he wouldn't shy away or and like in the in the class, if he sees a girl carrying a pad without like not covering it, mm. he wouldn't panic. He needs Avoid to be aware. And I think, yeah. And as a sister, I think that's all I'm concerned about. Making sure my brother doesn't inflict things that I was inflicted upon by other children. And making sure that that's he provides a safe environment for mm-hmm. women to talk about their problems and he, be mm-hmm. as, he is sensitive and empathizes with them. So just these small little things are all that matter to me. It doesn't matter if he opens an organization and empowers women like I do, but it just matters to me that he doesn't make any girl feel unsafe in his life. Yeah, so I guess sure. if I have to, mm-hmm. if I have to give advice, it would be that start talking, have a conversation. I mean, you can't change your parents now. It's really hard to expect them to change at what, 40 and 50. But you can change your 10-year-old brother. You can change your sibling. You can change your cousin. You can change the junior in school. So start talking to the next generation and try instilling the values that you have in them. Yeah, that's so important. I think as Japanese said, like personal change is something that's in your control. So if you see someone passing like sex, comments or like is being snide or something you can like put a stop to that you can call them out on it and you can tell them no that's not okay you shouldn't say stuff like this even if it's just like people not being sexist in a very like open uh, you know in a major way it's just like small things here and there those small things matter those small things sort of you know give way to the bigger things and um, you know from Japanese experience of having a brother I have an elder sister and like just like her mother my mom was never given an opportunity to work and that was always something that like really held her back and one of her regrets in life 
uh, and you know she always made sure that like her daughters you know she never spared any expense in our education she never like let us believe that we couldn't do anything we wanted to do she she was you know she wanted to send us abroad because she wanted us to get the best education possible something she couldn't do so you already see like a generational change in just that one generation of like japnit's mm-hmm. mom and my mom and them doing everything possible for their daughters to have the opportunities that they couldn't so you know changes like this it's really uh, possible for us to implement them just like by be by in our like own small circle of like influence that we have even if it's not you know opening up an organization or anything just like being uh you know fair calling people out on being sexist calling yourself out if you're you know i'm not always a perfect feminist sometimes i have to call myself out on my own behavior if i say something and then you know i think about it and i'm like okay that was not okay for me to say something like this so yeah it's like a learning process i think being a feminist or being just like try striving for equality yeah oh wait i'm going to edit this part out anyways um what value do you think gen- uh, does gender hold in today's world and why okay let's just phrase this que- the question this way why is gender a priority or do you think gender is a priority or a criteria in certain places or certain situations in today's world definitely it's a criteria mm-hmm. at many places and for the good or the bad you cannot ignore it i mean we can't just pretend and think that we are equals everything is fine because the reality is the ground reality is that it is a criteria you see at workplaces they would prefer hiring a male because uh, yeah because they know they think yeah they think that yeah females cannot and even if there are laws like in netherland uh, that you have to grant a maternity leave that mm-hmm. would also sometimes negatively affect the recruiters because they'll be like oh my god she's going to go away for a year and then when you you're going to have to pay her salary also so there's like a negative and positive impact of both and in other cases gender can be used to uplift uh, the weakened gender so like for in terms of reservations or organization like our which focus on gender so definitely gender is a criteria in many places and um, we can't ignore that yeah mm-hmm. that's true like you have to recognize uh, that you know it's a very real problem and it's as much as we like it to be otherwise uh, the genders are not equal you know in whatever way uh, uh, you know privilege is a very real thing that men have uh, so recognizing that privilege and sort of doing what we can to ensure that women also have you know the opportunity to uh, you know choose and just like grow and just work if they want to or like in politics or uh, just as japnit said like um, corporations hiring women are like very uh, especially if they're of um, you know if they're mothers and they have like other focuses they're very like very of hiring women so there is there is a need for us to understand that it's uh it this is a very real problem that we face so we have to have practical solutions for it as much as we would like uh it to be otherwise and for the world to be equal it's not so i've heard people uh, say all the time that look we have progressed so much all the housewives are now working like they are not housewives anymore 
all the women in the next generation are going out but what they don't realize is when they come back tired with like their husbands are they are still responsible for most of the domestic chores That's so true. if you see studies of uh, 70 to 80% of the domestic chores are still done by women even if they are working as much as their male counterparts are they are still responsible for the raising children they are still responsible for everything related to the domestic life so you expect a woman to first go earn family uh, earn money for the family and then you expect her, her to take care of the family as well people would say yeah, call that equality but i don't know equal division of work as there should be you know like dad should do laundry and like put their kids to sleep or take them to school or like help in cooking and it's just small things like these but you know they really make a difference how can you have equality in a workplace when you can't even have equality at home and if you don't have equality at home how will your children learn equality if they don't see it being practiced so the the previous generations have already done their damage and we the current generation and the future generations it's the responsibility of us and the future to change the stereotype that we have currently so at purple space that's what we're trying to do we're trying to build a mindset among the future of the youth and we're trying to spread spread awareness of issues that are not talked about much so at girl code you guys are extremely inspirational we had an extremely good talk so far so at girl code what is the vision that you guys have and what is the mission and how you guys going to be going forward in the future um so, so our uh, okay i'll just like tell you our mission and then japnit can talk about how we're going to go forward so our mission is just like to empower girls you know to break through that glass ceiling to break into that boys club that's there in the uh, stem community to just you know not be scared um by all you know by when you're picking up a computer and you fall in love with it or when you're you know coding and you're really interested by it we want them to you know have a safe space a safe community of like fellow girls with fellow experience uh, with uh, you know similar experiences similar stories to sort of open up to each other you know we teach them basic programming just so they can sort of delve into that world and then they have you know all of these opportunities and like resources we provide them so they can explore it further and i think you know even in like uh, little workshops we've held i've noticed like such a difference so many of the girls that we've held workshops for in schools they've come up to me and they've told me that you know we're going to this was really cool i never knew i could program like this now i'm going to uh, opt for cs in 11th and 12th grade and that's just like the starting stone right if they opt for it in 11th and 12th grade and then they learn it in depth then they might consider going into a stem related field for their education which is a huge step forward i think in bridging that gender gap which is what we aim to do <coughs> our vision would definitely be to get to more countries and back more girls all around the globe so right now we're limited to 3 but we definitely expect expect us to like expand more and even reach out to uh, more underprivileged girls as well who might not even have a laptop to start with so we are start going to start programs in the future focused on government school children and uh, we will be teaching them uh, from the scratch even how to use a computer how to get like use the office suite and how to get like all the practical skills in place so 
uh, it's basically our vision is essentially just getting as much outreach as we can talk about this issue make sure everybody knows it and make sure everybody who wants to go into stem gets the support that they need yeah. and that can be done through hosting workshops teaching them ourselves maybe having future scholarship opportunities or even just talking about it on our instagram and other social media so it's just about getting the word out and helping mm -hmm. people on how to code how much ever we can so that eventually they can code with confidence yeah that is true yeah. i mean even i have taken computer science and this was absolutely incredible talking to you guys on behalf of aryan and i a huge huge thank you to to the both of you and to the whole gold code uh, team for joining us in this uh, incredible episode we as i said before we love talking to you and hope to see more young women i mean in fact more young people take up initiatives to eradicate all sorts of prejudices injustice etc again thank you so much and guys please check out the gold code and yes stay to uh, stay tuned for more purple space podcasts and blogs thank you thank you thank you